Section forty five of the Dream of the Red Chamber, Book two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Yu Qing in Singapore. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book two by Cao Xueqing. Translated by Henry Bancroft Jolly. Chapter forty seven, Part two. But enough of this subject. In the rooms on the near side, they protracted for a long time their noisy game of cards and only broke up after they had something to eat nothing worthy of note however occurred during the course of the following day or two in a twinkle the fourteenth drew near at an early hour before daybreak lai dao's wife came again into the mansion to invite her guests dowager lady dao was in buoyant spirits so taking along madame wang mrs xue Pao Yu and the various young ladies, she betook herself into Lai Da's garden, where she sat for a considerable time. This garden was not, it is true, to be compared with the garden of Broad Vista, but it also was most beautifully laid out and consisted of spacious grounds. In the way of springs, rockeries, arbors, and woods, towers and terraces, pavilions and halls, it likewise contained a good many sufficient to excite admiration. In the main hall outside were assembled Xue Pan, Jia Zhen, Jia Lian, Jia Rong, and several close relatives. But Lai Da had invited as well a number of officials, still in active service, and numerous young men of wealthy families, to keep them company. Among that party figured one Liu Xianglian, whom Xue Pan had met on a previous occasion and kept ever since in constant remembrance, having besides discovered that he had a passionate liking for theatricals and that the parts he generally filled were those of a young man or lady in fast place he had unavoidably misunderstood the object with which he indulged in these amusements to such a degree as to misjudge him for a young rake about this time he had been entertaining a wish to cultivate intimate relations with him but he had much to his disgust found no one to introduce him so when he by a strange coincidence came to be thrown in his way on the present occasion he revelled in intense delight but jiaren and the other guests had heard of his reputation so as soon as wine had blinded their sense of shame they entreated him to string two short plays and when subsequently they got up from the banquet they ensconced themselves near him and pressing him with questions they carried on a conversation on one thing and then another this liu xiangliang was in fact a young man of an old family but he had been unsuccessful in his studies and had lost his father and mother he was naturally light-hearted and magnanimous not particular in minor matters immoderately fond of spear exercise and fencing of gambling and boozing even going to such excesses as spending his nights in houses of easy virtue playing the fife thrumming the harp and going in for everything and anything being besides young in years and of handsome appearance those who did not know what his standing was invariably mistook him for an actor but lai da's son had all along been on such friendly terms with him that he consequently invited him for the nonce to help him do the honours all of a sudden while every one was after the wines had gone round still on his good behaviour Pan alone got another fit of his old mania from an early stage his spirits sunk within him and he would fain have seized the third convenient moment to withdraw and consummate his designs but for lai shangrong who then said 
Our Mr. Bao Yu told me again just now that although he saw you as you walked in, he couldn't speak to you with so many people present, so he bade me ask you not to go when the party breaks up, as he has something more to tell you. But as you insist upon taking your leave, you'd better wait until I call him out, and when you've seen each other, you can get away. I'll have nothing to say then. While delivering the message, go inside, he directed the servant boys. And get hold of some old matron and tell her quietly to invite Mr. Baoyu to come out. A servant lad went on the errand, and scarcely had time enough elapsed to enable one to have a cup of tea in than Baoyu actually made his appearance outside. My dear sir, Lai Shangrong smilingly observed to Baoyu, I hand him over to you. I'm going to entertain the guests. With these words, he was off. Bao Yu pulled Liu Xianglian into a side study in the hall, where they sat down. Have you been recently to Qing Zhong's grave? He inquired of him. How could I not go? Xianglian answered. The other day a few of us went out to give our falcons a fly, and we were yet at a distance of Tiu Li from his tomb. When remembering the heavy rains we've had this summer, I gave way to fears lest his grave may not have been proof against them. So evading the notice of the party, I went over and had a look. I found it again slightly damaged, but when I got back home, I speedily raised a few hundreds of cash and issued early on the third day and hired two men who put it right. Isn't this strange then? exclaimed Pao Yu. When the lotus blossomed last month in the pond of our garden of Broad Vista, I plucked ten of them and bade Bei Ming to go out of town and lay them as my offering on his grave. On his return, I also inquired of him whether it had been damaged by the water or not, and he explained that not only had it not sustained any harm, but that it looked better than when last he'd seen it. Several of his friends, I argued, must have had it put in proper repair, and I felt it irksome that I should, day after day, be so caged at home as to be unable to be my own master in the least thing, and that if even I move, and any one comes to know of it, this one is sure to exhort me, if that one does not restrain me. I can thus afford to brag, but cannot manage to act, and though I've got plenty of money, I'm not at liberty to spend any of it. There's no use your worrying in a matter like this, Liu Xiangyan said. I'm outside, so all you need to do is to inwardly foster the wish, that's all. But as the first of the tenth moon will shortly be upon us, I've already prepared the money necessary for going to the graves. You know well enough that I'm as poor as a rat, I've no holdings at home, and when a few cash find their way into my pocket, I shall remain again quite empty-handed. But I'd better make the best of this opportunity, and keep the amount I have, in order that, when the time comes, I mayn't find myself without a cash. It's exactly about this that I meant to send Bingy to see you, Bao added, but it isn't often that one can manage to find you at home. I'm well aware how uncertain your movements are. One day you're here, and another there. You've got no fixed resort. There's no need sending anyone to hunt me up, Liu Xiangyan replied. All that each of us need to do in this matter is to acquit ourselves what's right. But in a little while, I again purpose going away on a tour abroad to return in three to five years' time. When Bao Yu heard his intention, why is this? he at once inquired. Liu Xiangyan gave a sardonic smile. When my wish is on a fair way to be accomplished, he said, you'll certainly hear everything.
I must now leave you. After all the difficulty we've had in meeting, Bobby remarked, wouldn't it be better were you and I to go away together in the evening? That worthy cousin of yours, Sanyan rejoined, is as bad as ever, and were I to stay any longer, trouble would inevitably arise. So it's as well that I should clear out of his way. Bao communed with himself for a time. In that case, he then observed, it's only right that you should retire, but if you really be bent upon going on decent tour, you must absolutely tell me something beforehand. Don't, on any account, sneak away quietly. As he spoke, the tears trickled down his cheeks. I shall, of course, say good-bye to you, Liu Xiangling rejoined, but you must not let anyone know anything about it. While uttering these words, he stood up to get away. Go in at once, he urged. There's no need to see me off. Saying this, he quitted the study. As soon as he reached the main entrance, he came across Xue Pan, bawling out boisterously, Who let Yang Liu go? The moment these shouts fell on Liu Xiangliang's ear, his anger flared up as if he had been sparks spurting wildly about, and he only wished he could strike him dead with one blow. But on second consideration, he pondered that a fight after the present festification would be an insult to Lai Shangrong, and he perforce felt bound to stifle his indignation. When Xue Pan suddenly espied him walking out, he looked as delighted as if he had come in for some precious gem. With staggering step, he drew near him, clutching him with one grip. My dear brother, he smirked, where are you off to? I'm going somewhere, but we'll be back soon, Xiangyan said by way of response. As soon as you left, Shipan smiled, all the fun went, but pray sit a while. If you do so, it will be a proof of your regard for me. Don't flurry yourself. With such a senior brother as myself to stand by you, it will be as easy a job for you to become an official as to reap a fortune. The sight of his repulsive manner filled the heart of Xiangyan with disgust and shame. But speedily devising a plan, he drew him to a secluded spot. Is your friendship real? he smiled. Or is it only a sham? This question sent Xuepan into such raptures that he found it difficult to check himself from gratifying his longings. But glancing at him with the corner of his eye, My dear brother, he smiled, what makes you ask me such a thing? If my friendship for you is a sham, may I die this moment before your very eyes? Well, if that be so, Stanley proceeded, it isn't convenient in here, so sit down and wait a bit. I'll go ahead, but come out of this yourself by and by, and follow me to my place, where we can drink the whole night long. I've also got there two first-rate young fellows who never go out of doors, but don't bring so much as a single follower with you, as you'll find, when you get there, plenty of people ready at hand to wait on you. So hide did this assignation raise Chopin's spirits that he recovered, to a certain extent, from the effects of wine. Is it really so? he asked. How is it, Sanyan laughed, that when people treat you with a sincere heart, you don't, after all, believe them? I'm no fool, eagerly exclaimed Xuepan, and how could I not believe you? But since this be the case, how am I, who don't even know the way, to find your whereabouts if you are to go ahead of me? 
My place is outside the northern gate, Sonia explained. But can you tear yourself away from your home to spend the night outside the city walls? As long as you're there, Shuhan said. What will I want my home for? If that be so, Sonia resumed, I'll wait for you on the bridge outside the northern gate. But let us meanwhile rejoin the banquet and have some wine. Come along after you've seen me go. They won't notice us then. Yes, shouted Shuhan with alacrity as he acquiesced to the proposal. The two young fellows thereupon returned to the feast and drank for a time. Shuhan, however, could with difficulty endure the suspense. He kept his gaze intent upon Xiangliang, and the more he pondered within himself upon what was coming, the more exuberance swelled in his heart. Now he emptied one wine kettle, now another, and without waiting for anyone to press him, he, of his own accord, gulped down one drink after another, with the result that he unconsciously made himself nearly quite tipsy. Xianlian then got up and quitted the room, and perceiving every one of his guard, he egressed out of the main entrance. Go home ahead, directed his page Xinlu. I'm going out of town, but I'll be back at once. By the time he had finished giving him these directions, he had already mounted his horse, and straightway he proceeded to the bridge beyond the northern gate, and waited for Xuepan. A long while elapsed, however, before he espied Xuepan in the distance, hurrying along astride of a high steed, with gaping mouth, staring eyes, and his head banging from side to side like a peddler's drum. Without intermission, he glanced confusedly about, sometimes to the left, and sometimes to the right. But as soon as he got to where he had to pass in front of Xiangyan's horse, he kept his gaze fixed far away, and never troubled his mind with the immediate vicinity. Xiangyan felt amused and angry with him, but forthwith giving his horse also the ring, he followed in his track, while Xuepan continued to stare ahead. Little by little, the habitations got scantier and scantier, so pulling his horse round, Xuepan retraced his steps. The moment he turned back, he unawares caught sight of Xiangliang, and his spirits rose within him, as if he had got hold of some precious thing of an extraordinary value. I knew well enough, he eagerly smiled, that you weren't one to break faith. Quick, let's go ahead, Xiangliang smilingly urged. Many people might notice us and follow us. It won't then be nice. While instigating him, he took the lead, and letting his horse have the ring, he wended his way onwards, followed closely by Xuepan. But when Xiangliang perceived that the country ahead of them was already thinly settled, and saw besides a stretch of water covered with a growth of weeds, he speedily dismounted, and tied his horse to a tree. Turning then round, Get down! he said laughingly to Xuepan. You must first take an oath, so that in the event of your changing your mind in the future, and telling anything to anyone, the oath might be accomplished. You're quite right, Xuepan smiled, and jumping down with all dispatch, he too made his horse fast to a tree, and then crouched on his knees. If I ever in days to come, he exclaimed, know any change in my feelings and breathe a word to any living soul, may heaven blast me and earth annihilate me. Scarcely had he ended this oath when a crash fell on his ear, 
and lo, he felt as if an iron hammer had been brought down to bear upon him from behind. A black mist shrouded his eyes. Golden stars flew wildly about before his gaze, and losing all control over himself, he sprawled on the ground. Salian approached and had a look at him, and, knowing how little he was accustomed to thrashings, he only exerted but little of his strength, and struck him a few blows on the face. But about this time a fruit shop happened to open, and Shippen strained at first every nerve to rise to his feet, when another slight kick from Salian tumbled him over again. Both parties should really be agreeable, he shouted, but if you were not disposed to accept my advances, you should have simply told me in a proper way, and why did you beguile me here to give me a beating? So speaking, he went on boisterously to heap invective upon his head. I'll take you, you blind fellow, and show you who Mr. Leo is, Sang cried. You don't appeal to me with solicitous entreaties, but go on abusing me. To kill you would be of no use, so I'll merely give you a good lesson. With these words, he fetched his whip and administered him thirty or forty blows from his back down to his shins. Chopin had sobered down considerably from the effects of wine, and found the stings of pain so intolerable that little able to restrain himself, he gave way to groans. Do you go on in this way? Xiangyan said, with an ironical smile. Why, I thought you were not afraid of beatings. While uttering this taunt, he seized Xiopan by the left leg and dragged him several steps into a miry spot among the reeds. He rolled him about till he was covered with one mass of mud. Do you now know what stuff I am made of? He proceeded to ask. Xiopan made no reply but simply lay prostrate and moaned. Then throwing away his whip, Salian gave him with his fist several thumps all over the body. Chopin began to wriggle violently and vociferate wildly. Oh, my ribs are broken, he shouted. I know you're a proper sort of person. It's all because I made the mistake of listening to other people's gossip. There's no need for you to drag in other people, Salian went on. Just confine yourself to those present. There's nothing up at present, Shippen cried. From what you say, you're a person full of propriety. Tis I who am at fault. You'll have to speak a little milder, Sonian added, before I let you off. My dear younger brother, Shippen pleaded with a groan. Sonian, at this, struck him another blow with his fist. I ejaculated Shippen. My dear senior brother, he exclaimed. Sanglian then gave him two more whacks, one after the other. Ayo, Shippen precipitately screamed. My dear sir, do you spare me, an eyeless beggar, and henceforth I'll look up to you with veneration. I'll fear you. Drink two mouthfuls of that water, shouted Sanglian. That water is really too foul, Shippen argued in reply to this suggestion, wrinkling his eyebrows the while. And how could I put any of it in my mouth? Sanglian raised his fist and struck him. I'll drink it, I'll drink it, quickly bored Xuepan. So saying, he felt obliged to lower his head to the very roots of the reeds and drink a mouthful. Before he had had time to swallow it, 
a sound of i became audible and up came all the stuff he had put into his mouth only a few seconds back you filthy thing exclaimed sang lian be quick and finish drinking and i'll let you off upon hearing this shi pan vomited his head repeatedly on the ground do please he cried lay up a store of meritorious acts for yourself and let me off i couldn't take that were i even on the verge of death this kind of stench will suffocate me sang lian observed and with this remark he abandoned shi pan to his own devices and pulling his horse he put his foot to the stirrup and rode away shi pan meanwhile became aware of his departure and felt at last relieved in his mind yet his conscience pricked him for he saw that he should not misjudge people he then made an effort to raise himself but the racking torture he experienced all over his limbs was so sharp that he could with difficulty bear it jia chen and the other guests present at the banquet became as it happened suddenly alive to the fact that the two young fellows had disappeared but though they extended their search everywhere they saw nothing of them someone insinuated in an uncertain way that they had gone outside the northern gate but as shi pan's pages had ever lived in dread of him who of them had the audacity to go and hunt him up after the injunctions he had given them that they were not to follow him but waxing solicitors on his account jia zhen subsequently bade jia rong take a few servant boys and go and discover some clue of him or institute inquiries as to his whereabouts straight away therefore they prosecuted their search beyond the northern gate to a distance of two li below the bridge and it was quite by accident that they discerned shi pan's horse made fast by the side of a pit full of reeds that's a good sign there was one voice exclaimed for if the horse is there the master must be there too in a body they thronged round the horse when from among the reeds they caught the sound of human groans so hurriedly rushing forward to ascertain for themselves they at a glance perceived shi pan his costumes all in tatters his countenance and eyes so swollen and bruised that it was hard to make out the head and face and his whole person inside as well as outside his clothes rolled like a soul in a heap of mud jia rong surmised pretty nearly the truth speedily dismounting he told the servants to prop him up uncle shi he laughed you daily go in for lewd dalliance but have you to-day come to dissipate in a reed-covered pit the king of the dragons in this pit must have also fallen in love with your charms and enticed you to become his son-in-law that you have come and gored yourself on his horns like this Chopin was such a prey to intense shame that he would fain have grovelled into some fissure in the earth had he been able to detect any but so little able was he to get on his horse that jia rong directed a servant to run to the suburbs and fetch a chair ensconced in this shi pan entered town along with the search party jia rong still insisted upon carrying him to lai da's house to join the feast so shi pan had to make a hundred and one urgent appeals to him to tell no one before jia rong eventually yielded to his solicitations and allowed him to have his own way and return home Jia Rong betook himself again to Lai Da's house and narrated to Jia Zhen their recent experiences. When Jia Zhen also learnt of the flogging Xue Pan had received from Sang Lian, he laughed. It's only through scrapes, he cried, that he'll get all right. 
in the evening after the party broke up he came to inquire after him but Pan, who was lying all alone in his bedroom nursing himself refused to see him on a plea of indisposition when dowager lady jia and the other inmates had returned home and every one had retired into their respective apartments mrs xu and bao chai observed that xiang ling's eyes were quite swollen from crying and they questioned her as to the reason of her distress on being told they hastily rushed to look up xue pan but though they saw his body covered with scars they could discover no ribs broken or bones dislocated mrs xue fell a prey to anguish and displeasure at one time she scolded xue pan at another she abused liu xiangnian her wish was to lay the matter before madame wang in order that some one should be dispatched to trace liu xiangnian and bring him back but bao chai speedily dissuaded her it's nothing to make a fuss about she represented they were simply drinking together and quarrels after wine about are ordinary things and for one who's drunk to get a few wax more or less it's nothing uncommon besides there's in our home neither regard for god nor discipline everyone knows it if it's purely out of love mother that you desire to give vent to your spite it's an easy matter enough have a little patience for three or five days until brother is all right and he can go out mr jiajin and mr jialian over there are not people likely to let the affair drop without doing anything they'll for certainty stand a treat and ask that fellow and make him apologize and admit his wrong in the presence of the whole company so that everything will be properly settled but were you now ma to begin making much of this occurrence and telling everyone it should on the contrary look as if you had in your motherly partiality and fond love for him indulged him to stir up a row and provoke people he has on this occasion had to unawares to eat humble pie but will you ma put people to all this trouble and inconvenience and make use of the prestige enjoyed by your relatives to oppress an ordinary person my dear child mrs xu rejoined after listening to the advice proffered by her you've after all been able to foresee all these things as for me that sudden fit of anger quite dazed me all will thus be square but i smiled for as it's neither afraid of you mother nor gives an ear to people's exhortations but gets wilder and wilder every day that goes by he may if he gets two or three lessons turn over a new leaf while xue pan lay on the stove couch he reviled xiang lian with all his might next he instigated the servant boys to go and demolish his house kill him and bring a charge against him but mrs xue hindered the lads from carrying out his purpose and explained to her son that liu xiang had casually after drinking behaved in a disorderly way that now that he was over the effects of wine he was exceedingly filled with remorse and that prompted by the fear of punishment he had effected his escape but reader if you feel any interest to know what happened when xue pan heard the virgin his mother gave him listen to what you will find in the next chapter End of section forty five Recording by Sao Yuqing in Singapore.